0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Biff Bites podcast. I'm your host Jerry Me, and in the studio with me today is Mr. Adam Shear. How's it going, Adam? I am wonderful, Jerry. How are you doing? I am doing great. So we nice. got a interesting topic for the two of us to talk about uh, today. Certainly, something on uh, many Americans' minds, <laughs> and continues to be so. Uh, And That, of course, is the topic of mortgages and home ownership and all the great finance stuff related to that.
1: (laughs) Oh, there's so much. There's so much to look into that we probably won't touch on everything today, but there's plenty of good stuff that I know we have lined up.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, Home ownership is just one of those topics. It's like retirement or college savings. It's one of those things where pretty much every client is going to have to deal with it at some point or another. Uh, so you better be well-versed in it if you'd like to be a good CFP. Uh, it's also highly testable on the CFP exam, but more importantly, it's just a topic that touches on so many different people's lives that it's, uh, it's a really interesting topic to talk about. And so we wanted to kind of, get into some of the the major pieces of it today yeah sounds good jerry let's go yeah so uh first of all adam i think probably one of the best places to start with it is the front end ratio and the back end ratio just because for those of, uh, of our listeners who don't know the front end ratio and the back end ratio is basically what banks use to determine if you can afford to buy a house in the first place based on, you know, your income to your debt load. Uh, and it's also just a really testable topic. So, you know, it can kill two birds with one stone with this one.
1: Yeah, definitely. And in this is one of those very clear CFP land types of approaches where we <laughs> have some pretty hard, fast rules about what lenders would approve. but. On the practice side, it just seems like there's a little more wiggle room around (laughs) this stuff. Um, but why don't we talk about front end? Your 401k is
0: a liquid asset, right? You can just totally cash that out. Yeah, we'll count that 401k as
1: liquid. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that shall not be said on this podcast. <laughs> um, depending on unless your you're lender. in retirement years or or you know some other special circumstances.
0: Yeah, depending but, uh, on your uh, your mortgage lender, they can have some uh, <laughs> fast and loose rules. <laughs> it's like uh, that scene from the big short when you know they're talking to the mortgage lenders down in florida
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> all right so so front end yeah we're we're looking at um just the costs right the 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 costs of that are all housing related mm-hmm. and it's what what uh, are we looking at there jerry what's the, well, uh, the magic my- acronym my
0: good friend mr t likes to say i pity the fool who thinks he can afford a home in this economy (laughs) good old pity is the acronym uh to remember p-i-t-i and that stands for principal interest tax and insurance though personally uh adam i am uh I am going with the Zoomers, and I think the new term going forward is going to be pity plus H. And that plus H is homeowners association fees. Oh boy. Uh for those who don't know, this is I don't want to get too much into it in this podcast, but the way as, as a current person looking to buy a home, the way a lot of new construction homes are being built is cities and towns are requiring them uh to have a homeowners association in order for the city or town to grant them the permits to build these new housing communities and those homeowners associations have some pretty hefty fees tied to them and the reason why towns do this is because you know that's less services and uh costs that they have to pay for you know they shove that on to the new homeowners but the end result of it is uh, you know, several hundred, even several thousand dollars in added costs every single month for people buying these new construction homes. And so it is a financial consideration that you're gonna have to take into account if you are looking to buy one of these homes with the Order association. I actually believe sites like Zillow and Redfin and all these, you know, online realtors, they actually are already incorporating HOA fees into the Pity calculations that they display on the websites. Oh, my goodness. See, I'm, I'm aware
1: of, I'm not aware of this. I know through some family members that have homes that also carry those fees, uh, mostly from complaints about the <laughs> lack of services, um, or, you know, I was just down at my mother's house in New Jersey for Thanksgiving, and we usually park our car right in front of her home, mm-hmm. and there was an enormous pile of leaves that they had raked to the curb because that's one of the services that the homeowners associ- association down there handles and it was still there three four weeks after the fact you know <laughs> no and idea then the homeowners when- association you know. gives
0: you a ticket for parking your car on the yes. street and it's the wrong color it doesn't the car doesn't. oh yeah pre-described colors yeah nothing will tell you turning you into an anarchist <laughs> faster than a homeowners association <laughs> 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 Turn it down, down yeah. with the homeowners' government.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean this. This could also be, you know, a, an ongoing podcast spinoff with us just venting about homeowners fees. But <laughs> that's a good point. That's another cost. I mean, and just those costs in general. I, I'm in my experience, when realtors do their their math, when some realtors do, let's just you know, let's say all some realtors do their math, and they're just like, oh, it's only going to cost you this much a month. Mm -hmm. there's there's always extras that go in there and um yeah what an unfortunate trend that uh, (laughs) just keeps getting pushed on on to the homeowners now especially in this market too where home prices across the country have gone way up the supply is is low right demand is high bummer (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And I think we'd be remiss to uh, to also mention the percentage, because it is a very key percentage that all of our test takers should memorize, and that is 28%. And that, that is what the front end ratio you're shooting for is, is basically your pity, principal interest, tax and insurance, and then plus H if it's a homeowner's association, divided by your gross income. And if it's, you know, monthly or annual, just make sure you don't mix up apples and oranges there. Keep it monthly, keep it annual with your calculations. So dividing that pity expenses by gross income should be about 28% or better. Um, you know, if you are spending more than 28% of your income on pity expenses the bank is going to be very hesitant to give you that loan because they're going to be afraid that you're not going to be able to make your payments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just to, to get them to be more confident if you're not what they deem qualified, right. In walks in, um, in walks in just the, the the mortgage insurance, right. Which is, which is yet another thing stacked on top. If you're not putting down, generally uh, it varies by loan type, but um, it's gonna it's gonna be about twenty percent of the home value is the expectation uh, as far as a down payment goes. Or later on, if you if you didn't meet that standard and you have to pay mortgage insurance, right? Twenty uh, percent is often the figure as far as equity goes in the home. Uh, that the lenders need to see in order to be confident that you're gonna pay the mortgage on time. Uh, this was a, a a post Great Recession little addition that came into play when a lot of homes went underwater. It's been around since with certain types of mortgages and uh, there are ways to get around it. Usually, if it, with especially in this environment with home prices increasing uh, if you've purchased your home several years ago, when your clients or you are carrying a mortgage that has a PMI payment on it, just reach out to your your mortgage lender and say, "What's your process for having this removed?" And sometimes they'll charge you a little appraisal fee uh, just to see where the home value is relative to your mortgage balance. Uh, but there is a way to get out of that and and wipe that from you know the highly escalating
0: <laughs> <laughs> monthly Gosh. housing cost. <clears throat> Exactly, so definitely a good uh, rule, and that's also just kind of where we really recommend clients start with. Who you know come to us asking about purchasing a home, you know the front end ratio is is really where most people are just gonna go. Okay, you know this is our starting line. You know first of all, let's just see how your expenses matched up with your income looks, and it gives you an idea also of how much of a house you can afford. In fact. Anyone who's gone on like Zillow or Redfin or any of those housing websites that use their housing cost calculator, that's what those calculators are doing behind the scenes. They're running calculations on this front end ratio, uh, 28% rule, and they're using that to make their recommendations to tell you how much of a house you can afford. So just remember that very, very simple math wise. It's literally just a division, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and it gives you uh, the percentage and then you can use that using some algebra skills. You can back that into home costs to get an idea of, you know, okay, I can afford $350,000 worth of house, or I can afford $400,000 worth of house, uh, yeah. or I can afford, you know, a shack in uh, the middle of Wyoming. <laughs> worth of house. I mean, That sounds lovely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and another
1: thing to consider, you know, assuming you you're in your home, and and all as well, you get past this process, is that that benchmark that you get as far as what your mortgage payment looks like, that is not something that remains true for the duration of the mortgage, and the the key reason there is is property tax, yeah, and and that's something that's been a surprise, I think, to a lot of people uh, who've had their homes reappraised by their town and had that amount increase pretty significantly. So that's a potential place. I know actually just with my lender, we had uh, one one lender got bought up by another lender and this other lender has a different method to the amount that needs to be kept in escrow each month, mm-hmm. which resulted for my wife and I having an additional 150 bucks pulled from uh, each payment. <laughs> that are going to go into escrow. So, um point being, what you get as your your starting point is not necessarily
0: going to be the same thing all the way down the line. Right. And it's because property tax is based off of, you know, home value. It's a percentage yep. of the value, so as the as the value goes up, so does the property tax payment. And especially uh in towns around me, uh the towns don't assess it every year. They oh, assess, Okay. They assess property value every 3 to 5 years. And so they just did a big round of property assessments, got everyone's numbers adjusted, and I'm looking at like my community forums and like all the the neighborhood stuff and everyone is complaining because of course what happened in the last 3 to 5 years is, you know, covid and the housing boom and you know, some of these houses have come close to doubling in value in the last 5 years. And so the town does the property reassessment the home is now worth twice as much as it was before. Your property tax bill just doubled overnight. And a lot of crazy. people are not happy about that.
1: <laughs> it's really crazy. And and it's one of those things where it really depends on, on the eye of the beholder, right? If you're in a home and you you look at that, I mean, there's a lot of good to it. You're like, wow, I have a ton of equity in my home. This is This is great. It opens up some opportunities. With that, though, the other side of it is you're likely going to be paying more in property taxes somewhere down the line. Uh, but for people on the flip side of it, right, higher the prices go, the more you're paying. <laughs> yep. um, and especially with, with the economy being where it is, even though those lending rates are are ticking down at the moment, I think for the past
0: several months. Yep. Yeah. They've come, down a, higher, they've come down almost but... a percent, which is nice. But yeah. Yeah. It's still high. I mean, I, we, I'm we i sure everyone listening has seen if you spend any amount of time on social media, you've probably seen some, you know, image clip or meme or something comparing, you know, 2020 mortgage on one house and then the same exact house in 2023 at current rates, you know, the monthly payment doubles because interest rates have doubled. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And let's just let's throw this into a housing cost mix, too. So. For those of us that are tuning in and are CFPs or financial professionals, you, you know this stuff, right? You, we know how, how mortgage amortization works out or amortization tables so that uh, at the, the front end of a loan, you are paying primarily interest on the loan. And that tapers off over the the term, right? I I remember
0: being a young Jerry right out of college, getting my series seven and learning how an um, amortization table worked and being like, this is the biggest scam in the history of forever.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Right. Um, And with that too, it's, it's another thing that changes because I've heard people in real estate just be like, Oh, well, your the interest you pay on this mortgage i mean that's that's a tax break for you and it's not necessarily true right because it's a tax break if you itemize <laughs> right and with tax cuts and jobs act i know 2025 we're looking at a lot of the provisions potentially sunsetting but fewer people the fact is after after those laws were enacted fewer people are itemizing
0: mm-hmm. and
1: there's, there's not as much value. And the most value you get from that interest deduction is on the front end of your loan. Right. So that's another factor that you have here, that the farther along you go, the more you pay down, the less impact that mortgage interest has because of the amortization table. Yep. Yeah,
0: exactly. Now, before we forget, I do want to also uh, touch upon, you know, the front end ratio is not the only ratio it comes to with home purchase. So, front end ratio is just the housing cost, you know, just pity. And then, depending on your definition, maybe plus H. Now, the back end ratio is, I would say, kind of like play second fiddle to the front end ratio, but it's becoming more and more important. Uh, and banks definitely look at it when considering uh, uh, giving out these mortgages. And the back end ratio is pity plus all other you know monthly debt so student loan payments and car loans are the two really big ones also credit cards as well if you have very high, high uh, credit card balances but really any any other you know major liabilities that you have and because they're throwing in these extra uh these extra expenses they do increase uh the percentage instead of 28% like the front end ratio is the back end ratio relies on 36% as their healthy amount which when you're considering like car loans and student loan payments you know that extra 8% is not really that much you know i i think my student loans are probably uh close to if not more than 8% of my annual income sure. so
1: <laughs> you know yeah. that
0: the back end ratio i feel is even harder to meet than the front end ratio
1: yeah yeah absolutely because you have all those other things and and as part of that too, right, there's this element of <clears throat> your your credit and what your payment history looks like and uh, credit utilization is a big piece here. So mm-hmm. even if you're not carrying a whole lot of debt, if the amount of debt that you're carrying is very close to the amount of debt that you have available to your credit, you have available, that's going to be a ding on your credit score which then flows through into this process and just what i've seen and what i've learned is you don't want to give the lenders anything that they can point to and say well we're gonna have to drop you down a tier in terms of our our rates because we're a little concerned about where that credit score is and your ratios are are you know you're really close because they'll take advantage that's how that's how they're making money (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, and that yeah. actually also too the way it works is uh, you know, I paid off one of my student loans, and my credit score went down. I'm like, how did do, how does this happen? I I paid off one of my loans. Why why is my score going down? And I look, and it's because I paid off this loan so it closed the account. Oh yeah. So now it you know if I had like a $15,000 student loan or anything like that the credit scores look at it as like I have $15,000 of available credit even though there's no I'm never going to take out another $15,000 student loan. Sure. because the account closed and now looks like I have $15,000 less of available credit and it's also uh you know what coming close to a 20 year uh loan uh you know window so a 20-year history of accounts. so the length of time of 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 accounts also impacts your credit score so that being closed removed a long-standing credit account so those two factors together even though i was you know a good you know uh uh, debt paying individual who never missed a (laughs) payment doesn't matter lowers my score for having the audacity of right? not paying my uh, my monthly payment anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And you apply some of that logic too to credit cards. You could have paid down. I, I mean, I've done this in the past. You pay down a credit card and you just leave it open because it's a credit line that you have available and yeah. the more credit line you have, the better your credit u- utilization works. And you know, if you're in the practice of not putting things on credit cards eventually the credit card company is like, well, you're not using this. We're going to mm. take it away. And yeah, what happens is your credit score adjusts as a result. It kind of resets the whole thing. It's just funny sometimes to keep that in mind and then look at what the credit reporting agencies are seeing as your history. Because um, my credit history is nothing nothing close to the amount of time that I've had lines of credit. It's due to just the average duration of the credit that I have that's active currently yep. so it's like five years and i've i've that that is not the case <laughs> that is not the case i unfortunately got my first credit card when i was a college student because they were giving a free gift away and i needed to get something free for water mom, bottle 28 interest <laughs> it was ridiculous <laughs> it was like a candle or something and i was like Oh, so I'll get a credit card and I'll give this candle to my mom for mother for Mother's Day. <laughs> it's stupid. It's just, but that's a whole not, that's like a whole nother podcast series. Right. As, uh, right. Some of the the scandalous behavior of these these credit card companies and, and ways that they get people they get people into it, right?
0: Yeah. But <laughs> but we digress. So the, yeah. take, the takeaway from that really is for our exam test takers memorize 28 36%. 28% for just home costs just pity. 36% for pity plus all other you know major monthly debt. Absolutely. Um and, and that's that's going to determine if you can afford to buy the house or not. Yeah, remember this
1: is this is set in stone for your purposes for taking the CFC CFP exam. But in the real world, I mean, these are benchmarks. Yep. And it's it's very likely that if if you have a good mortgage broker that you're working with, that they can figure a path for you uh, to to get a loan if if you, you meet some some requirements. So yep. just keep that in mind. This is is one of those slight discrepancies. Um but yeah, just great stuff. Great stuff to know and super practical. And as we say often in our program, the most likely stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, that you'll be tested on, it's it's going to be the stuff that most people have in their financial world, in their financial ecosystem. And this is just one of those key things. So if you're prepping for your exam, know this stuff inside out, because it's not only going to be helpful for your exam, but super practical when you get to practicing. this is adam from the biff crew now if you're listening into the podcast and you're finding our conversations of interest if you're finding the material that we talk about helpful if you're looking to take your knowledge of personal financial planning to the next level then you need to consider the bryant university and biff cfp education program this program was written and it's delivered by the biff team and one of the things that we pride ourselves on is being accessible to serve as your guides and support you for the entire CFP education journey. And all throughout that journey, you have access to practitioners and to experts that are going to help you to understand these concepts and also help to best prepare you for your CFP exam. So if you're looking for a CFP education program with great support and the BiffBytes crew, then the Bryant University BIP CFP education is for you. For more information, visit bryantcfp.com.
0: Kind of the next thing is actually buying the house you've been approved, making the down payment. Adam touched on this a little bit earlier, but rule of thumb is you got to put down 20% of the home value as a down payment, which most first-time home buyers are not able to do unless they're receiving, you know, a very large gift from a family member. Uh, But unless you are, you know, selling another property and then using the cash from that property to make a down payment on another property, almost no one's making 20% down payment. And the trade-off of that is, as Adam mentioned, is PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, which if we're just going to keep the theme of this episode rolling out and just us ranting about, you know, the injustices <laughs> of the financial markets. It's and okay. Let's go P- for it. PMI <laughs> is right up there with biggest scheme. So PMI is insurance that if you default on your mortgage, the PMI company is going to pay the bank uh, to make up for you defaulting on your mortgage. But here's the kicker. You as the homeowner, have to pay this PMI insurance out of your own pocket. And if you default on the loan, the bank gets the money for that mortgage payment. And here the cherry on top, the bank still gets to foreclose on your house and take your house away. (laughs) So you are paying an insurance company to pay a bank out that is then going to take your home away even after they receive the payout from the PMI policy blows my mind that this can be legal <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah i mean they're i i don't want to i don't want to just negate or make smaller the how big of a deal it is to like get your first home right and be a homeowner but when you start peeling back some of these these layers and some of the systems in place and it's pretty clear that Oh, we're we're kind of suckers here. <laughs> <laughs> that if you're not if you're not meeting those standards, right? If you're not able to come up with 20% um, down, that's that, that is tough to do for a lot of young couples or younger individuals or even people that have been renting for a while that are now looking to buy. Um, yeah, yeah, and that that is um, that's one of those those extra costs that fortunately does go away as we mentioned before. And um, you just got to be proactive. And and this this is one of those.
0: Firms are supposed to. I believe it's it's legal. It's one of those laws that never gets enforced. But I believe legally uh, mortgage firms are supposed to automatically remove PMI once you have made sufficient down payments to have at least 20% equity in the home, but a lot of firms conveniently forget that unless you, you know, pointedly ask them to take a look yeah. at it. Like you said, <laughs> and then as you mentioned Adam, is a lot of times they'll charge you an assessment fee just <laughs> yeah, to make it's, sure it's over 20%. <laughs> yeah. When
1: every single source and the the house down the street sold for, you know, $700,000 and you're like, "Oh, okay, our, our market our, our market's looking a little different than when we bought." yeah there there are fees often and um they will work with you but it's just another it's another financial to do i think it's one of those areas too if the mortgage company isn't being proactive this is this is just one of those bigger impact believe it or not financial planning to-dos that you could share with a client at the right time guide them through the process and you You have some found savings right if you just walk them through the process tell them what to expect take on some questions from them Uh, this is just one of those value adds that we can we can add to the client relationship as as advisors
0: um it's all just because i mean they're not incentivized to like as we pointed out mortgage insurance benefits the bank and the mortgage lender to no end you know they get they get their guaranteed mortgage payment and even if the mortgage payment doesn't go through it's almost like it's better for them it's like they're hoping you miss your mortgage payment because then they get the insurance payout, plus they get to seize your home from you. So it's it, they're they're incentivized to not want you to get rid of PMI insurance. And then <laughs> like also, the- even if even if the mortgage, I'm just on a I'm on an epic. Oh no, go at for it. Point. go for it, man. Even if the mortgage lender does default, don't worry, the government's going to come in and bail them out as well, just like they did in uh, in 2008. So, you know, forget about uh, you know the house always wins with casinos. Really, the house always wins with mortgage lenders. They can't lose no matter what happens.
1: <laughs> I'm just putting this out there to our audience. If anyone wants to sign off to, to guarantee that I will never lose <laughs> with my investments, right? In the business that I'm doing, I mean, I'm I'm welcoming applicants
0: right now. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, at, as as our listeners might not know, depending on our release schedule, we're recording this shortly after Thanksgiving. So uh, we're just we're full of vinegar from uh, <laughs> all the family uh, talk.
1: <laughs> too much, too much uh, family. Too much turkey, and uh, and a lot of fun. But so I wanted to bring up a a topic that we were chatting about when we were outlining this episode, Jerry, and that being you, and we recorded an episode on this a few months back, but with you being in the market to buy. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember at the time the, the lending rates were higher. It, It was really difficult to find a place from what you were sharing. Yeah. And, uh, one of the one of the let's just call it a mindset mindset that was out there was well don't sweat it just get the home that you love and oh. refi down the line right if, refi- if i had it. a
0: nickel every time i had someone tell me that i would have yeah. been able to afford the, the house and paid cash <laughs>
1: for sure well let's i mean let's unpack that a bit so i mean first of all for you as a potential buyer did did that help i mean i feel like you're you're in a special category here because you're highly informed right yep
0: well it's almost like the, the, the curse of knowledge <laughs> right <laughs> yeah
1: but does that does that make the the prospect of stepping into a mortgage with a higher lending rate e- even you know slightly easier slightly slightly better and more favorable
0: yeah i mean it's definitely something i've thought about and it's it's like the the parroted response that everyone and their mother says you like my family members who have no idea about mortgages or finance or anything like that they were telling me that because it's something you know the talking heads on msnbc and all the you know financial networks always mention, like oh we'll just refinance down the line the problem with that thinking is everyone's assuming that interest rates are going to go back down you know, we got comfortable. We had you know ten years of close to zero, uh, you know, Fed Fed funds rate, which translated to about you know two to three percent mortgage rates, which is like the lowest it's ever been in history. And is mm-hmm. that time period is very abnormal for historical mortgage rates. But we had ten years of it, and everyone got used to it, and it became the new normal. And so even now, everyone's clamoring, oh, well, when are we going back down to those 3%? When are we going back down? The reason why we went in, we had those rates is because we came close to having a second Great Depression. Like, that's why we had those interest rates, is it was like us pulling all the emergency levers (laughs) to not have the uh, economy absolutely crash. So people saying it's like, oh, it'll go back down. It's like, well are we going to be facing another like great recession, another, you know, a second depression, like that would cause us to go back down. And I think even the federal reserve is feeling that pressure. Cause like you mentioned, Adam, rates have come back down a little bit. You know, I don't believe the fed fund rates has lowered at all, but you know, some other like middleman rates between the fed funds yeah. and then the central banks and then the regional banks, like those levers have gotten pulled so that mortgage rates have come down by about a percentage over the last couple of months, but it's almost like we're all like drunk on these low, low interest rates and we're just expecting them to come back and they are not normal. So there's no reason for them to come back other than everyone wants them to come back.
1: Yeah, here, here, I, I'm with you when I when I hear of that as as something that's supposed to be encouraging. There's just a lot more to it than mm-hmm. what if it doesn't? right and what and, I, I mean and it's almost kind of like a yield to worst thing right when we yeah. look at bonds it's like what is the worst case scenario if i go through with this mortgage right mm-hmm. is that i'm i'm stuck with a mortgage that's at 6 and 6 and change right or 7% is that okay could i yeah. could i live with that given where i'm going to live uh and all all of the the good benefits that do come with with having a home and owning a home so yeah, that's uh that's some really great wisdom
0: there, Jerry. Yeah. And also to add on, the other thing everyone forgets about is refinancing costs. Yeah. Even if mortgage rates do come back down and they come back down significantly, you know, like go back down to 3%, the thing everyone forgets about is that there is a cost with refinancing that the the lenders charge. It's usually mm-hmm. it's usually given in the form of points. So one point, two point, and those points are percentages of the home value. So if you have a $100,000 home, if those even still exist anymore, (laughs) (laughs) uh, if you have a $100,000 home and you have a two point refinance fee, you're gonna have to pay $2,000 in in fees to refinance the home. And those fees usually get wrapped up into the new mortgage. So it's like adding an extra 2,000 bucks. So even when you do do a refinance, Even if your percentages are lower, you actually do have to do the math to see if you're saving money and when it actually becomes reasonable to save money. Because if you're someone who's going to things like, oh, I'm going to refinance when it goes from seven to six, and I'm going to refinance when it goes from six to five and then five to four you might not actually even be saving any money depending on, you know, what the points are and the value of the house. So that is another math calculation that you need to do to make sure it's worth it. And it's also something that I have seen come up on the CFP exam where they have you do a refinance question and they have you calculate the points. So if you see that in a question saying, Hey, you know, you're refinancing a $500,000, 30 year mortgage to a, you know 15 year mortgage at the new whatever the remaining balance is plus they're having a, a 2 point refinance fee you need to be able to calculate that 2 point refinance fee and add it into your calculations
1: yeah yeah all good points i mean and, and with all that said this by no means is is suggesting that all right well you should just stay away from these rates this is a very personal type of of situation and experience i mean i've i've talked to people at family gatherings when the housing market was kind of peak interest rate, low uh, supply, and people getting into these outrageous bidding wars here, there, mm-hmm. and everywhere. And even some some really uh, savvy finance people in my circles were still like, well, this is what we want. We're doing it. This is just how it's going to go uh, because we're prioritizing having a home of our own at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But also, with that said, is that for people that are homeowners, they've seen uh, probably a pretty significant increase in the fair market value of their homes, which does create more of a band of equity that's built in relative to, to where their mortgage balance is, if they're carrying a mortgage on the home. And with that, it opens up another whole world of potential opportunities. Uh, if you're, you're looking at the financials and, uh, that's another way that this comes in taking a second mortgage, right? Uh, a HELOC, for example, yeah. a home equity line of credit, um, or, or just a home loan on that equity home equity loan. And the rates there are high as well right now, but yeah. there, there are still good reasons that people are looking to do that. Um, And I think one of the more common ones you see are people taking equity out of their home. And if they're carrying some significant uh, credit card debt, they'll use that amount to pay it down. Because you look at just the, the, you compare the interest rates side by side, and it does make a lot of sense. There's savings still to be found, even in this higher interest rate environment.
0: Right. And that's because it's a collateralized loan. You know, you're, you're using your home as collateral, and because okay. it has that backing you know if you don't make your payments the bank is going to seize your house mm-hmm. because of that the bank is comfortable giving lower interest rates and yeah exactly like you said oh, that's a big reason why people will use it pay off credit cards even paying off credit uh car loans you know i've seen yep. i've been seeing car loans as high as like 12 13 percent which is yes. you know <laughs> which is crazy but you know if if uh you know, you are looking to buy a new vehicle. You look at the HELOC rate. HELOC rate could be, at you know, like 8%. New car loan at 12%. Well, hey, mm-hmm. take a HELOC, take that cash and buy the car in cash and, you know, save 3% a year on that difference between your interest rates. Yeah.
1: One of the the little blind spots I do see, though, are people using that equity for any of these reasons. Or another one is actually if they haven't prepared to save for college um people will use it as as a source that that line of credit to pay for tuition <laughs> and college costs too for their kids.
0: Uh, uh I also remember uh, back when mortgage rates were lower so back extra crazy people you know when HELOCs were lower you know more like 3 to 5% yeah you had some you know maybe some questionable decision making but people would take HELOCs out and then take that money and invest it in the market oh, geez, yeah, and try yeah. to make a spread cuz the idea is like oh well the S&P's yielding you know 7 to 10% yeah. oh yeah and my yep. HELOC's only a 5% you know that's that's just free money free money is, on the
1: table there yeah which is
0: great until the market starts going down <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well with these though it, it another thing to be aware of is that your your base mortgage has a certain term to it, and that's a piece I I sense gets overlooked a little bit mm-hmm. is the 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 length of time of the loan, and when you're taking out new debt, it's going to come along with its own timeline, and that timeline could extend it could extend beyond well well beyond your current mortgage, and it could go into um you know it, it could it could go into a place where you could potentially be paying as you get close to retirement years if you're you're making those payments. So uh, just, yes, mind the payment amount. But I do feel like with all these payment calculators out there, the refinance calculators, there's so much emphasis that gets placed on the monthly amount. And for good reason. But there are other pieces here that you'd want to be aware of as, as well. And I think that that term and making sure that the length of time that you're going to be committed to paying those monthly minimums uh, aligns with your bigger, broader financial goals, especially if you're looking farther out and this is starting to overlap with retirement, because that could be a big deal and um, create some, some quick depletion of retirement funds that you've been saving. Mm -hmm.
0: Close out this episode, I do think we would be remiss not to mention the various government uh programs that are in place to also help, you know, especially first-time home buyers, but not necessarily all all first-time homebuyers. Um, and there's three big ones I always like to bring up, plus an IRA 401k rule that uh comes up quite often. And taking that first, the IRA 401k rule is the the ten first-time homebuyer exemption. Uh, so that that allows you to avoid uh, the uh, 10% early withdrawal fee, but you do still have to pay taxes on that ten thousand dollars you pull out of the IRA or the 401k. Um, so you can you can take ten thousand dollars out, put that towards down payment on a first time home purchase, and it's one of those rare exceptions to the early withdrawal fee. Um, I wonder if they're actually going to increase that in time because $10,000 does not go nearly as far as it used to.
1: <laughs> no. no, there's a there's a lot that does adjust year over year, right for inflation, mm-hmm. but that's not one of them. And there's there's a, a couple more tax related limits that are in dire need of some inflation adjustment. I mean, the one that I always go to is the provisional income bans for including social security benefits as taxable income. Mm-hmm. Those have not adjusted, period. And they're just becoming, it's coming to a point where many people are getting pushed toward that 50% of your benefit is included as taxable income, and and many into the 85%. So that's just another one of those that just that limit there, that $10,000 limit. Yep.
0: So, but it is a little bit of something, you know, you can take 10,000 and then, you know, if you're a couple, each of you can take 10,000. So that's 20,000 there. Um, But the downside is also it's only for first time home purchases. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I remember when I was in uh, college, one of my friend's parents used him, they used his $10,000 first time home purchase to get $10,000 out of his, uh, his IRA to make a down payment on a house. And then they gave him, you know, $10,000 <laughs> $10, later down. They basically game the game, the system. But now the my system. friend my does goodness. not have a $10,000 first time <laughs> home purchase clause on his, uh, his retirement accounts. Cause uh, his oh. parents used it up on him. <laughs> Thanks mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there's the IRA 401k early withdrawal. Uh, and then there's three really important uh, government uh, loan vehicles uh, that uh, allow you to avoid PMI, which is really a a big reason um, to get in them. They also could have you know more favorable rates, uh, which is another reason why to use them. Uh, but they have some some you know pretty hefty restrictions on them. So first one is a VA loan, so Veterans Association. So obviously, big restriction on that is you got to be a veteran. <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. They can't just walk in off the street uh, and. Take a VA loan if you didn't serve, which you know it's important. Um, you know that we give our veterans these benefits, uh, and huge thing with a VA loan is it requires zero percent down, so you can you can purchase a home with zero money down, which is a huge huge benefit. Uh, in order to avoid uh, you know that PMI, uh, it does not require PMI insurance. Um, you can get it from fifteen to thirty year lo- uh, loan terms, just like a normal mortgage. So that's that's a great benefit is just being able to do zero down zero PMI. Um, there is a d- slight downside with it though, um, is they do charge a 2.3 to 3.6 percent funding fee on it um, which is an added cost but you know you got to do the calculation PMI insurance versus this you know flat amount is it worth it? is it not? And then that that funding fee is actually waived for disabled veterans. So if you're a disabled veteran, yeah, no brainer, go go with the VA mortgage, uh, yeah. save a good, good deal of money. Um, obviously, though, that's not available to everyone. So two other loans that are available to everyone, or not necessarily everyone, but uh, easier to apply for uh, is one I was actually looking at was the USDA loans. So US Department of Agriculture, um, you get a loan through the Department of Agriculture Also requires a 0% down payment. So you do not need to put any money down. You do not need to get PMI uh, insurance. Um, It's a 1% funding fee. So even less than the VA loan, uh, but there is a 0.35% annual additional fee. So once again, got to do the math, got to figure out is that extra 0.35% Usually it's not, you know, 0.35% is pretty manageable, even on very expensive properties. The big, big downside with the USDA loans, though, is it has to be in a rural area. And they, you know, USDA, they have a website, you can type in the zip code and you can see if your, you know, your zip code is a quote unquote rural area or not. Um, but if it is a rural area, you can qualify for this USDA loan and, and you know, get, uh, you know, much better terms than a, than a normal conventional commercial loan. Um, so that's that's the USDA loan. That's a great option if you're looking to live that, uh, you know, that country lifestyle <laughs> that I was that I was looking for. <laughs> it's definitely a uh, a great option. Uh, and then finally is the FHA loan, uh, Federal Housing Authority, or a housing administration, I should say. Yeah, Federal Housing Administration loans. Um, that one um, has doesn't have, you know, you don't have to be a veteran, don't have to live in a uh, rural area to qualify for. Uh, however, there are Uh, you know, certain other requirements kind of similar to like what a bank would go through, but a little bit more forgiving bank, you know, for example, their front end ratio, instead of being uh, 28% for the FHA loan, their, their ratio is 43%. That is a much more forgiving ratio for them to, to give that, uh, 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 you know, loan criteria. There's also, you know, various credit score requirements and all that good stuff. But because it's it's a little bit easier, it does still require a down payment of at least 3.5%. Uh, great
1: stuff, eight, Jerry. Yeah, yeah that, that's all really useful. And I know some of this this came from your direct experience, just going deep here and, and looking for some options for you and your family. Uh, but there are options out there. I think it's great to know that it just doesn't have to be traditional path, traditional, you know, conventional loan, that there are some some other options on the table that could make the fees lower over the course of the loan, the down payment more manageable, and that's all good stuff.
0: Yeah. And if you're also like me and you're in the market uh, of getting a mortgage, know that this is actually a buyer's market, at least for mortgages, because I just saw a report that Uh, banks reported the lowest number of mortgage applications in decades. So these mortgage lenders, a lot of whom operate on commission are desperate for clients to take mortgages out. And so that gives you a little bit of negotiating power. It's like, yeah, the, the percentages uh, might be rough, but you know, maybe you could negotiate away a couple of those fees, tell them to, you know, waive this fee, waive that fee, um get better payment terms you know there's there's way more complex stuff that we didn't really have time to get into in in today's uh episode but that that all gives you some wiggle room to negotiate with to get some some better terms or at least easier payment schedules just because these these mortgage brokers are so desperate for clients right now
1: well excellent information across the board here and Again, just recapping what we said at the top, just as vital for people preparing for their CFP exam as financial planners, uh, and also all the way down to the homeowners as well. Just really great information uh, for those people that are in the market. There are a ton of articles and resources out there. Just be discerning with, with which ones you're going with. Uh, when you're looking through some of these sources
0: don't get your info on tiktok
1: <laughs> nope <laughs> would not go there that would be
0: actually i take it back because i the first time i did hear about a usda loan was actually from it Was I on i'm like, like it, no, it was like an instagram reel but i'm like oh i've never heard of a usda loan before i should check that out i'm like Oh wow. Of course it was nowhere near what the Instagram like the Instagram was like free money just live on a farm and the government will give you a farm for free <laughs> which obviously wasn't the case but a USDA loan was actually a valid government yeah. program that has that you know has some interesting uh terms to it.
1: <laughs> uh, this is another yet another idea for a series I think It's the Biff guys go adventuring through the internet to fact check. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of stuff out there. And um, once again, just all the more reason for clients out there. You have a a trusted financial planner, financial advisor, that's going to steer you in the right direction, give you information that's just in, in your best interest on some of these fronts. Uh, can really be valuable in the short term and then and the long term, because it could help you out with getting some savings and giving you more opportunities to do what you want and what you're looking to do as far as your financial system and, and situation goes.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. Well, that about does it for this week's episode. We hope you all enjoyed. Uh, if you like some more great Biff Bytes content, make sure you check us out back at biffbytes.com. And we will see you all next week.